Amen. Good to be uh, back here with you folks. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 26, but Nathan and the young men. And I'm thinking that's, is that the, the name of a new group or or is Nathan older than everybody else or is that a family thing? No. It really is good to be back. Pray for you folks. Pray for your pastor. And uh, pray for your pastor's son. Pick on Nathan again a little bit. And uh, looks like I know or have met everybody here. So, um, anyway... We're delighted, Calvary is delighted, I'm delighted to have Lighthouse as a sister church fellowship that we can fellowship with. Um, appreciate the Sunday School lesson I heard this morning, and um, we do want to invite you over to hear Pastor Mitchell, if you like Bible preaching, uh, you ought to come if you, know, if you can. We start... Uh, I think y'all usually start at 7 in your meetings, but it's 7.30 for us. So uh, looking forward to that time. All right. Matthew 26, verse 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which was with were with Jesus, stretched out his hand, and drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? That's seventy-two thousand. But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? In that same hour Jesus said unto the multitudes, Are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then... All the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see 
the end. So our message today is taken from the last verse, following afar off. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the freedoms we still enjoy in this country. Lord, I thank you for a place where your word is revealed, revered and people desire to love you and serve you. And yet, Father, what poor examples we are of this at, from time to time. And Lord, we need your help. We need you to speak to us. We need you to sanctify us by your word. And I do pray if there would be one here that's not saved, that you would convict and draw that person to yourself. Speak to your people. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't follow afar off. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, James, who wrote the book by that name, was the half-brother of Jesus. He got saved after Jesus' resurrection. And when Peter, who was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, the first pastor after, after the Lord, uh, James, after he left and went on an evangelistic ministry or a missionary ministry doing work like that, James then became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And under the tremendous persecution against the church, the church there in Jerusalem that they faced by the Jews, many of those church members fled from Jerusalem. They fled the church. They just trying to stay alive, stay out of jail. And the book that was written by James, uh, Pastor James tries to encourage the Jewish believers who had been members of his church, and now they've been scattered in different places, and they're starting churches wherever they fled to. And James began uh, his letter to them by saying this. Let me read to you from James chapter 1. So probably a familiar passage to you. But he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, that is not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now James exhorted his former church members then to have patience in the, in the face of these tremendous trials they were facing. Uh, he knew that they would need wisdom of God in these circumstances, and he told them to pray for wisdom. However, James warned them that if they were double-minded, that is, if they did not obey God's wisdom in their you know, if they wavered there in their obedience, that uh, God would not give them the wisdom they asked for. In these crucial, severe circumstances, they're running for their lives, their families are at jeopardy and so forth. 
He said, if, if you're double-minded, He won't give you any wisdom. Now listen, if you're a Christian and you're in the middle of difficult circumstances, you're in bad shape if God is not going to answer your prayers, if He's not going to give you the wisdom that you need. But that does happen often. And the result is that you'll keep digging yourself into a deeper and deeper hole. And, uh, you know, people have a tendency to think, well, I mean, surely God would not allow that to happen. I mean, he's, He's a loving God. He's, yeah, well, let me read it to you again. It says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers like a wave of the sea, driven wind and a toss, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He's very plain about that. And what James wrote in his letter is illustrated in our passage today in the life of Peter. Uh, It's given by inspiration of God. In other words, it is the unchangeable word of God and what James, again, wrote in his letter is, is just demonstrated right here in the, in the life of one of the, the greatest saints, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived, and that's the Apostle Peter. Uh, Jesus gave Peter, and he gave these other men with him, the disciples, a very plain warning. He gave them a very plain instruction, but Peter did not receive the admonition that God gave to him. Very plain. He told Peter specifically, this is what's going to happen. You need to watch out. You need. Peter rejected it. A great man of God, a spiritual man, but because he did not obey, he did not receive the admonition, he went deeper and deeper into carnal actions that he would regret for the rest of his life and really for all eternity if, if the Lord didn't remove that knowledge from him. Now, folks, when we profess our devotion to Jesus Christ, but we fail to literally receive and obey the Word of God, our double-mindedness will keep us from walking with the Lord and it will cause us to deny Him even in crucial faith circumstances. And so let's look at this. I'm going to look at two main things. First of all, the confusion caused by double-mindedness. And then secondly, the carnality caused by double-mindedness. When we look at the confusion... I note, first of all, the prophecy of a pastor's preaching. If you look back at verse 47, it says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now the events right here that we're we're talking about took the apostles by surprise. They're exactly though what Jesus told them was going to happen. He told them exactly what was going to happen. In fact, he used the Old Testament and said, this is what the Word of God says in the Old Testament. This is what is going to happen to you guys. Uh, Look back at verse 20. It says, Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, "Verily, verily, Verily I say unto you, 
that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He that dippeth his, his hand in the, with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Now that's the strongest affirmation. He was saying, That is exactly, you're exactly right. It's you. Look at verse 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. So here Jesus sat down at the Passover meal with his disciples. He read from their Bible, the Old Testament, and he told them exactly what was going to happen. Now, listen, Pastor Byler has never, to my knowledge, claimed to be a prophet who gets inspiration from God. I think he devoted him out by now if he had actually done that. But when a pastor walks with God and he preaches the Bible to his people and makes application of the Bible to his people, that is prophetic preaching. That's primarily what prophecy is for. It's not just to tell us about the future, it is to tell us truth that we need in our lives right now. And this is what happens all the time. Your pastor just preaching the next paragraph or the next passage or something like that. Maybe a book that he's been preaching through for months. And people come in and sit down the service and they think, he's picking me out. He's trying to kind of embarrass me in front of the whole congregation. He knows what's going on in my life. <laughs> well, that's what 1 Corinthians tells us. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25. Let me read that too. He said, But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, we would say convicted of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of truth, we hope. And then verse 39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. Prophesying is taking the truth of the Word of God and apply it to people's lives. And I, I can't tell you, I've been pastoring over there at Calvary about 30, I think it's 38 years, something like that, maybe getting close to 39 and people could be visiting from the other side of the world. They could be in from Japan or somewhere like that. And, um, you know, the Bible speaks to them. They say, well, that's just what I needed today. Or, again, you get accused for something. And we could eject today and say something like this. Well, Jesus was God. Obviously, He addressed their particular needs. Listen, spirit-filled Bible preaching is supernatural. It is prophetic preaching. And if you've been going to church very long, you know that's the way it works. And so we have the prophecy of a pastor's preaching. Jesus was their pastor. 
but there was a protest among his disciples, his church members, against personal application. Again, look at verse 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus answered him unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Now, you know, in the King James, you've got you, which is plural, and you've got thee, which is singular. He is saying, Peter, I'm saying to you, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples." So the men to whom Jesus spoke that night, they were saved, they were spiritual men, they were men of God, they were men that Jesus had personally chosen to be with those who accompanied him and learned the ministry and so forth, carried on after after he would ascend to heaven. And he told them the passage from Zechariah, though it was written 550 years before that time, that was for them that God had had that passage written in the Old Testament for them. But Peter flat out rejected the warning that Jesus gave to him, and he said, it doesn't apply to me. Look at verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And so his rejection of the truth not only set him at odds and rebellion against the Lord, but it affected the other disciples, and they too rejected it. Verse 35, Peter said unto him, Though all I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. And so the rejection of the truth provoked other people to rebellion in that congregation, in that church. So Peter thought he was a leader, but he's leading leading the wrong way here. And you you know how your pastor preaches. He doesn't get up here and tell 50 stories and have one verse. He's preaching the Bible. He does like Nehemiah did in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and cause them to understand the reading. That means how it applies to my life. I understand what God is saying, and I understand how it applies to my life. And Jesus told them exactly what would happen, but when it did happen, they were taken by surprise. And so there's prophecy the pastor's preaching, there's protest against personal application, and then, okay, I'm getting on my P's here, so just, just abide with me. The perplexity of personal proactivity. You'll see what I mean. Look at verse 51. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword in his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. 
Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall just presently give me more than twelve legions, excuse me, of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Are you come out against, as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now, Peter had rejected the Bible message. And so... What Jesus, when what Jesus said did happen, Peter didn't know what to do. It, it never crossed his mind. He, he totally rejected what Jesus said to him. So he, he was not expecting this to happen. But Peter had to be proactive. He's the leader. Something's got to be done. This is a bad situation. I have to do something. And the mob had come. There was clubs and uh, swords to arrest Jesus. So he had to do something to stop them. He couldn't let Jesus be arrested. And so he did the most stupid thing that he could do. He physically attacked one man in this armed mob and cut off his ear. That was brilliant. If Jesus had not been able to immediately defuse the situation, they all would have died. That's what he says in verse 52. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword in his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. But notice what all the disciples did then. Verse 56. But all this was done that the, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Again, these are men that were all confident about what they would do. Back in verse 35, Peter said to him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. But now, because they were double-minded, following their thinking, Instead of what their pastor had specifically taught them from the Bible, they had no idea what to do. They deserted the Lord in the time of His great need, and they were scared to death. In John chapter 20, verse 19, that John tells us, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Here they are hiding. All the doors are locked. They think they're going to be the next ones arrested. They're going to be the next ones crucified. And they're, at this point, useless to the Lord. Now, I've never claimed to be God. Certainly, Pastor Byler has never claimed to be God. But you know, I, I am the pastor that God has placed at, at Calvary. And like your pastor, I've never done anything but preach the Bible. That's all we do. That's why it's, it's not a big party here. It's not where we've got hundreds or thousands coming. It's because we're just preaching the Bible. That's it. 
And for, I guess, how long has Pastor Bala been here? About 12 years or more? 15? I don't know. Do you know? 15. 15 years. He's just told people what the Bible teaches. And he said things like this to some of you and to other people, just like I have. If you do that, this is what's going to happen. Not because we're prophets who can see in the future, except because we know what the Bible says. I can remember sitting down with the man who taught Sunday school in our church. And he wanted to make this decision that would take him out of church every other Sunday. And I said, if you do that, you're going to lose your family. You know what he did? He laughed in my face. And today he's got a son, his marriage, he's lost his marriage. He's got a son that's transgender. He's got a couple of daughters who have some really rough times. He doesn't even go to church anymore. And that's just one example of far more, far greater number than I would ever hope for it to be. But I know your pastor's done the same thing. And these were good people. They're like Peter. They were church members. They were smart people. This is what, this is what Jesus was talking to. But some would not listen to what their pastor told them from the Bible. And as a result, their double-minded refusal put them in confusion. And 1 Corinthians 14, says this, God is not the author of confusion. That brings to the second major point, and that is the carnality that's caused by double-mindedness. What we see after Peter rejected this pastor and these other men, what they rejected from what their pastor told them from the Word of God was a dullness towards spiritual pursuits. Uh, back in verse 36, it says, Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Now, all twelve... I guess I should say 11, 
had not received what Jesus told them from the Bible. They slept when they should have been praying. I mean, it was a feast time. There's been a lot of tension anyway from the things that Jesus has been saying to them. It's late. They're worn out. Maybe a little sleepy from the food, the feast meal that they'd had. And when Jesus told them how serious it was about praying, the influence of their own physical needs and what was going on caused them not to understand what serious what a serious time it was for the Lord. And there's a lot of times things happen to us and we don't realize till later how serious what we say at that moment or what we do at that moment or what somebody's telling us at that moment, unless we're spiritually, you know, on our toes. See, these men were men who were ordinarily very attended to what the Lord had to say. For example, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, uh, they said, uh, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. They were wanting to learn these things. Spiritually, they were in tune and so forth. But now, because they had rejected the Word of God, they slept rather than praying. You know what happens when you disregard the Bible? Well, Hebrews 5 tells us, Verse 11, it says, Of whom we have many things to say. Here's Peter writing to those people in the church in Jerusalem who are facing persecution. He says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttering, uttered, seeing you're a dull of hearing. In Matthew 13, 15, Jesus said, For this people's heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Or when Jesus was with the disciples in Mark chapter 6, verse 52, it says they considered not the miracle of the loaves. You remember that? They, he had just fed the, the thousand. They were on a, a ship, and the Pharisees had been involved and he said to them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they said, oh man, we forgot food. We forgot to bring bread for lunch. And he said, for they consider not the miracle of the loaves. Why? For their heart was hardened. These are the top guys in the nation spiritually. It doesn't take much for a Christian to go from being eager and growing to being spiritually dull when they are receiving the Word of God, when they stop receiving the Word of God with meekness. That's the reason we have revival services regularly at Calvary. Because <laughs> we have a sin nature. We've got all these influences against us all around us trying to keep us from being, walking with the Lord. And we need extended times of preaching. I need it. 
Everybody needs it. But these guys had said no to the Lord and basically short-circuited the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And at the most crucial time in their ministry, they went to sleep on the Lord. The next thing, not only a dullness towards spiritual pursuits, but a distance from Christ's presence. And that's where we got the title of this message from, from verse 57 and following. And they that had laid hands hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now, the Bible says over and over that Peter was one of the three closest men to the Lord Jesus. In verse uh, 37, it says that Jesus took Peter and James and John with him to pray. He had a closer relationship with the Lord than the rest of the twelve. Those three did. Peter is also one of the three that went with Jesus up into the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what we call it. And saw something that only those three men saw. Matthew 17, 1 and 2, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter and James and John his brother, bringeth him up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as light. You think about everybody that had seen Jesus all of his life. When he was delivered as a baby, when he was growing up, his brothers never saw anything special about Jesus. There's people that came in and got Jesus to do carpenter's work for him. Even when he started preaching, there's nothing special about Jesus. But here he goes up on this mountain and the glory that he had with his father from eternity past, they saw it. It says that his garment, his skin, all this was whiter, brighter than the sun. But now, because Peter has rejected what his shepherd told him from the Bible, he's still following the Lord, but he's not close to him. He's still a follower of the Lord, but he doesn't want anybody to know it. How close are you to the Lord? Well, in Ephesians 4.30, the Bible warns us, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and 20, it says, Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesyings. Is the Lord regularly speaking to you? Did you read the Bible this morning before you came to church? Did you get anything from it? Or are you dull of hearing? And it's amazing how people can go to a Bible-believing, practicing, you know, preaching church and have so little understanding. When I was in college playing football, they told us that, you know, you can do all this 
hard work, exercise and all that, you can lose your condition in 72 hours, three days. I can tell you, you can lose it in a moment. You can lose your spiritual conditioning, your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We sang about that this morning. I think it's Charles Wesley. Give me a sensitivity to sin. To know when I'm doing wrong. But you lose that. When we disobey the Lord and reject His Word, we lose that sensitivity. What we call a conscience. And so here Peter is. He's following, but it's afar off. And then thirdly, there is a disloyalty to Christ's person. Verse 58, it says, But Peter followed him afar off from the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priest and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses, these witness against thee? And Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. So they're wanting him to claim that he is deity so they can execute him for blasphemy. Jesus said unto them, Thou hast said... Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? You see what they were doing to Jesus there in the council? Peter is just a little ways away. But there's a wall between him and Jesus. He didn't know they were beating and spitting on Jesus. He couldn't hear it. He couldn't see it. He was afraid to even answer the question of a little servant girl. He said that he did not know Jesus. Although he adamantly said he would never be offended. Why was Peter in such a carnal state? Well, to put it in just practical terms, he rejected what the pastor said to him from the Word of God. And this is the problem that every time, every true pastor has to contend with. Peter, uh, Timothy, excuse me, Paul sent Titus to follow up on some of the missionary preaching he'd done where the churches had been started. 
In the book of Titus, he said this, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Titus, don't let them take your words as just being the words of a man. You're preaching the Bible. You're preaching the Word of God. Don't let anybody despise that. So what is your attitude toward the Word of God that your pastor preaches? Are you following afar off? It doesn't take much to get in that condition. How are you going to respond to what I've preached today? Is it the Word of God? Or is it just something the pastor has made up?